This is the Orion cruise ship. It's a 103-metre luxury yacht. According to the website, it's the epitome of elegance. No expense has been spared. The ratio of passengers to staff is 100 passengers to 75 staff. So you're fairly well cared for. Now, there's actually a 10-day cruise on the Orion departing from Port Villa in Vanuatu this Wednesday. You could be there. You could be having breakfast in the Galaxy Observation Lounge. You could be enjoying a romantic dinner in the Constellation Restaurant. After that, you could go and do some reading in the library. Here's one of the rooms with a beautiful ocean view. Now, you're probably wondering why I'm telling you all this. Um, no, I haven't become a sales rep for Orion. And even if I had, what would be the point of telling you all this? I mean, it sounds wonderful, but A, you probably can't get off work with that short notice. B, if you can get off work, it'd be hard to get to Vanuatu by Wednesday to link up with it. And C, even if you didn't have to work, you probably can't afford to be on the cruise. So what is the point of hearing about how wonderful this cruise is if your circumstances stop you from being part of it? Sure, a cruise on the Orion may be great, but not if you're not on it. Now, in some ways, that's where we're up to in this series on the course of your life. We have been thinking about some wonderful things, but for many of us, circumstances stop us from being a part of it. And we have been seeing some wonderful things over the past couple of weeks, haven't we? God has broken into this fallen world and he has revealed himself to us through the scriptures. He has revealed his agenda for our world. And his agenda we saw last week is all about Jesus, which sounds very wonderful and grand, but not if we're not part of it. How can we be part of it? Do you remember our circumstances from week two? God's agenda may be to appoint Jesus as king of the universe, but for many of us, we're not on good terms with God. Adam and Eve chose to foolishly reject God's agenda and chase their own agenda. And because of that, we're now trapped in this fallen world of sin and frustration. We are living under the judgment of God. And so like we saw last week, sure, the plan may be to place everyone under Christ. But that's not good news if you're on the wrong side of Jesus. So how do we get on the right side? How do we get to be part of this wonderful future that God has for his people? That's what we're looking at this morning. And the answer that the Bible gives, the answer the Bible gives to how we can stop being God's enemies, the answer the Bible gives as to how the course of our lives can change, the answer the Bible gives is the cross, the death of Jesus. It's because at the cross, Jesus acts as two things. He acts as a replacement and he acts as a representative for his people. You can see those two things on your outline, a replacement and a representative. Now, those two things are subtly different But together, we're going to look at them both this morning, Jesus being our replacement, Jesus being our representative. They produce what the New Testament describes as a profound union between us and Jesus. 
And so we're going to think about those two things in turn. Firstly, about Jesus being our replacement on the cross. This is what the first reading was about from Romans 5. Let's pick it up from verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, I just want you to notice that last phrase, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we were powerless, Christ died for us. Christ stepped in and he received our punishment in our place so that we wouldn't have to. His love for us is so great that he swapped places with us. He replaced us. Stuart just replaced Sharon in the Bible reading. I'm replacing Bryson in preaching. Jesus replaced us in his death on the cross. Verse 6, you see that at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly in their place. It seems that Scottish men are scared stiff of shopping. A national poll in Scotland showed that the word shopping is one of the most dreaded words among Scottish single men. It is second coming in just behind babies. (laughs) Scottish men are so scared of shopping that one Scottish shopping centre in Glasgow provides surrogate men to accompany female customers around the shops. This is how it works. The woman drops her real husband or boyfriend off in this kind of man creche and... (laughs) They borrow a new shopping-friendly man for a few hours. Very convenient for the shopping centre. You've got a man now who wants to spend. But meanwhile, the guy who doesn't like shopping, he can relax with other guys and play video games until he's picked up and taken home. (laughs) Now, any entrepreneurs here, I reckon this could take off in Dubbo. Here's the point, though. Scottish men were saved from shopping. How? Someone swapped places with them. Someone goes shopping in their place. Now that's a bit like what Jesus did for us on the cross. Not for shopping, not for something so trivial as that. Something far more serious. Jesus took the punishment for us. The judgment we should have received for our sins. For rejecting God's agenda for our lives. Jesus took it in our place. He was there instead of us. He was our replacement But he wasn't just our replacement. He was also our representative. Slightly different. I know it sounds a little bit strange, but the Bible is very big on this. Jesus is our representative. As our representative, Jesus didn't just die instead of us as a substitute. He actually dies as us. Just hold that for a while. Let's read the second reading, Romans 6, and let's work our way through it slowly. Romans 6 verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Now what's happening here in verse 1 is that Paul's wanting to talk now about whether as Christians we can keep on sinning. Romans 5, the chapter before this, was all about Jesus being our replacement. Our punishment for sins is now gone. That's what we've just been thinking about. 
Now, if that's the case, if there's no punishment left, why not just keep sinning? I mean, if all our punishments have been taken away, why not just go for it? So can we just keep on sinning? Well, of course not. And verse 2 explains why. By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Did you catch that? Paul's reason for us not sinning anymore is because we died to sin. Somehow the old us that indulges in sin is now gone, dead. In other words, Christ, not only did he die for our sins, with him we died to sin. Somehow his death was our death. Romans 6, 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. It's the same idea. We died with Christ and we will live with him. What he went through, we went through and we will go through. He died, we died. He lives, we live. He was our representative. Let me give an example. Have you had that experience uh, growing up where you went on a school excursion and before you all pile on the bus, the teachers line you up and you, they give you that drill about you'd better be on your best behaviour because you're representing the school. You're in the school uniform and when people see you, they're going to see the school. So if you look bad, the school looks bad. If you get honoured, the school gets honoured. As a representative of the school, what happens to you flows on to the school. Or maybe another example, at the Olympics when an athlete represents their country. When they win a medal, their country wins the medal. So last year, Sally Pearson won the hurdles, which means Australia won the hurdles. So we see her win and we throw ourselves on the ground and we yell, we won, we won, or whatever it is that you do. That's what Earl does. Now, we didn't win. I didn't win. She was the one running the race, but she was our representative. So when she won, we did win. She won. Australia won. We won. Now, that's kind of what happens between Christ and us. He's our representative. What he experiences we experience what he goes through in God's eyes, we go through. And so Jesus' death, it wasn't just instead of us, he actually died as us, as if we were there. That's why Romans 6, 8 can say, we died with Christ. Now, if that's getting a bit abstract and hard to follow, try and stick with it, because what Paul here is talking about is something very important that actually changes our lives in a big way. Because these two truths, Jesus being our replacement and our representative, you roll them in together and you, you start to get a taste of the deep connection that God makes at the cross between Jesus and his people. God says, what happened to Christ happens to us. We're united with him. That's what verse 5 is getting at. If we have been united with him like this in his death, then 
we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. We are united, we are joined with Christ and so what happens to Jesus happens to us. That's why his death is our death. His resurrection is our resurrection. What is true for Jesus becomes true for us. Now this is massive, this idea of us being united with Christ. And if it's not part of the way you think about your relationship with Christ, then you need to add it to your way of thinking. Because this is, in fact, one of the Bible's favourite ways of describing our relationship with Jesus. Phrases like, with Christ, united with Christ, in Christ. The New Testament uses that language all over the place. And I wonder if it's language that we perhaps don't use that often. Maybe we don't talk about it a lot because it's hard to get our head around, isn't it? If someone tells us they follow Jesus, we get that, follow Jesus. If someone tells us they're saved by Jesus, we get that. Someone tells us they obey Jesus, we get that. But if someone is in Christ, what does that mean? But it is a phrase that highlights the extraordinary truth that because of the cross, whatever is true of Jesus is true of us who are united with him. Think of it this way. Imagine that tomorrow you're catching the XPT train down to Sydney. Now, what's the relationship that you have with the XPT? You don't follow the XPT. If that was the case, you'd miss it. You're not really saved by the XPT. It's not so much that you obey or submit to the XPT. XPT. The key relationship that you have with the XPT is that you need to be in it. Because by being in the train, what happens to the train happens to you. Where it goes, you go. If the XPT gets to Sydney, then you get to Sydney. You need to be in it. At its heart, being in Christ is something like that. The New Testament wants us to see that because we are in Christ, whatever is true of Jesus is now true of us, his people. So he died, we died. He was raised, we are raised. Already Colossians says, spiritually in the heavenly realms with Christ. He was declared right, vindicated. We are declared right. He's glorified. We're glorified. He's loved. We're loved. We are united with Christ. We're in Christ. Now that is enormous. And that is how we move from the dominion, the rule of darkness, and into the kingdom of God. That's how we stop being God's enemies and become his friends. That's how God's agenda for the world that we've been hearing about becomes the course of our life. So that's how it goes from a truth out there that we can think about to actually being part of our life and our experience. Romans 10 says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that Christ raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, when you acknowledge who Jesus is and when you humbly submit to him as your king, 
God establishes through the cross a union between you and Jesus. And so Jesus becomes your replacement. The punishment for sin is gone. And he becomes your representative. What's his is now yours. And suddenly everything is different. The course of your life is now completely changed because you are now in Christ. So I have to ask you this morning, are you in Christ? Maybe over the past few weeks you've had a growing conviction that your life is not about God's agenda. Maybe you've been coming to church for ages, but in all honesty, your life is not all about Jesus. You might say you're a Christian, but really you're still calling the shots. You've just been trying to use God to pursue your own goals and your own ambitions. Now, if that's you, you need to change. And the great news about this passage is that you can change today. And you change by being united with Christ. You don't change by being pulling up your socks and suddenly being good enough for God. You change by being united with Christ. You admit to God that you've been wrong. You acknowledge to God that his agenda all about Jesus is right. It's not about you. And you ask him to forgive you. And when you do that, when you submit your life to Jesus, he becomes your replacement. He becomes your representative. God unites you with Christ through his death. I started this morning about mentioning Orion Luxury Cruises. Well, about a month ago now, a French yachtsman was rescued from the Southern Ocean by the Orion Luxury Cruise Liner. This bloke was sailing on his little yacht around the world. His mast broke and he had been drifting in a life raft for three days. Desperate. And who should find him but the Orion? When they pulled him out onto the Orion, he said it was a miracle, a second chance at life. A lost, desperate person was lifted into the luxury of the Orion. Not just rescued, rescued onto a five-star cruise. And now that he was in the Orion, he went where it went, and he was very happy to do so. Now, friends, at the cross, desperate, lost people are lifted into the luxury of being in Christ. It's a miracle. It's a second chance at life. And once we're in Christ, we are on a completely new course of life. Where Jesus goes, we go. And we're very happy to do so. Because we've gone from being lost to being raised with Christ, being glorified with Christ, being loved with Christ. Can you imagine that French yachtsman whinging and complaining on the deck of the Orion because it was taking him in a different direction to the one that he'd been trying to sail in. I don't think so. If he understood the danger that he was in and if he understood the ship that he was now on, 
he'd be more than happy for the Orion to chart his course. Now, how much more should that be true of us? Now that we are in Christ, we are more than happy to let Jesus set the course for our life. To go wherever he takes us. And to do it joyfully. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that in your great love, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Jesus gave his life for the ungodly. Father, thank you that he was our replacement, that he took our sins so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be washed clean and have a fresh start. But Father God, thank you that it doesn't just end there. It's not just that we've been forgiven. Because we're now united with Christ, everything that is his becomes ours. And Father, please open our eyes to the blessings that we have in Christ. That we're now adopted as your children. That we're, we're loved by you. That our lives are now on a totally new course in Christ. Father, please, as followers of Jesus, help us to see it not as a burden, but as a joyful privilege to be in him. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.